Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better dungeon master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. In this episode, we are gracious to have a listener feedback question sent to us asking how to introduce new players into the wonderful game of Dungeons & Dragons. So we take it from the very first step of introducing the game to an unknown party, how to get them to create a character sheet, how to get them to roleplay with a group, and ultimately have an amazing time playing Dungeons & Dragons. All right, Jimmy, so we've been through a ton of different topics when it comes to creating your own campaign, playing D&D, and stuff like that. Um, Probably one of the things that we may have missed or just didn't touch on uh, as early as we should, but it's definitely bringing in new players, Uh, people who have literally no idea what D&D is outside of what they've seen on TV or what they've read online. So I wanted to take a scenario of the perfect candidate of somebody who is interested, who knows nothing about D&D, and how we can coax them into enjoying the game that we play all the the time and enjoy all the time. Um, Okay. So let's say that this person, we'll call him Bill, uh, he is interested in playing, but obviously he's a little standoffish. So how would you describe to him, in your own words, exactly what D&D is from your perspective? Well, for me, it's going to be, it's it's not quite that easy. I get what you're saying, but for me, it's not that easy because I'm a salesman, man. I've been a salesman professionally for a long time, and uh, I would say it depends on the person, what I'm going to say. That's I guess that's just the salesman in me saying, uh, you're going to end up playing, buddy. But let's say... Let's say I know Bill just a little bit, and for some reason I am interested in trying to get him to play. Uh, what is D&D? I would probably ask him what he knows about it first and foremost. What do you know about it? Why are you showing interest? Because I'm not just going to approach any Joe Schmo on the street and say, hey, do you want to play D&D? Now, it's different when it's you and we've been playing music for a long time together, or it's different when it's one of the guys from my board game group, and I think they'd enjoy it because of some attribute they've displayed. But let's say, because like I might be working at a, uh, at a con soon, and I'm going to be doing some uh, board game teaching, which I'm actually, I was actually going to try to get you in on that too, by the oh. way. <laughs> but... Uh, but uh, let's just say it's D&D, and I think we will actually be doing this sometime in the near future because uh, hopefully you'll be at the D&D 420 booth when we go to Gen Con next year. Uh, but beyond all that, I think I would say D&D, I would ask people what they what they've uh, what interested them or why they're showing interest first. That'll give you an idea of kind of what they're going to expect from the game. And I would, then I would also say, uh, do you like movies? Do you like to read? Because I think those are like kind of a couple of the things that everybody who played plays D&D is pretty much going to be a movie guy or a book reader or something like that, you know, or comic books. 
or uh, there's shows, high fantasy shows they're probably going to like. And that's maybe what got them into D&D, maybe Game of Thrones. And then I would liken it to those things, except for we're going to make the story together. And it's important to do it this way, in my opinion, because if you do, if you take that approach that we're going to write a story together and then there's a game behind it, it's the story first. And you get it already into their mind that this is about a story that we're going to tell together. The interesting part about that story is you're going to get to play one of the characters. And you're going to tell me who that character is. And you get to act as that character. And, you know, I use the word act on purpose. You know, I want to instill into you that there's there's a, there's some drama going on here there's there's some theater going on here i had a friend who used to call it um improv theater with dice rolling and that was cool because man we're really saying a lot now this is improv theater it's not just throwing some dice and moving a little token i got into a pretty uh spirited um conversation with a good friend derek as opposed to eric derek Oh, and I want to give, before we go any further, I want to give thanks to the several people who gave feedback about our show. Did you know that? There were several people who gave feedback this particular week. Um, One that inspired this episode. One, Davis, thank you very much for inspiring this episode. Lindsay, Mike, and Derek. Uh, We've all talked about uh, some things, uh, just briefly with most of them. Uh, and I, when I was talking to Derek, he, I asked him kind of like as a new player, what was it like? Because all the people I know that play D and D have been playing for 20 years or 15 years or more. You know, many of the players I play with have been playing since they were 11 or 12, like me, and they're older than me. But, um, but you know, if, if we go back and we say we liken it to telling these stories or improv theater or reading a book i want the game after we're done it should sound like after we've played and you as a character eric you're telling the story of what happened in the game it should sound like you're telling somebody about game of thrones or vikings or the latest fantasy novel you've read the the newest salvatore book or whatever so so that way when when people hear it they're like what are you talking about that sounds amazing oh it's this game i play right we've all done that where we get to tell stories about our characters and people are like what are you talking about oh it's D." so after i ask people if they're interested in something like that i might go into um a story that we've done together for instance this is the story about what happened in this one game. And I'll keep it brief because we've all learned the hard way. Nobody likes hearing about your fucking character. Nobody likes hearing about your fucking story. And nobody likes hearing about the fucking world you built. <laughs> the only people interested in that are the people in your group. And half the time, they're not even interested. Yeah, because they typically have their own characters they're worried about. I go on about their character. I like telling stories about other people's characters because I don't get to play very many characters. Right. But, uh, you know, that's that's beside the point. Um, so then I might say, oh, you know, we had this really cool story where the group was a bunch of gladiators and they were in this ludus 
or this gladiator school. And it was tough, man. They all got brought there from different places, different parts of this fantasy world. And they all came to this one place where it's uh, fascist as fuck. And they're under the thumb of this this Lanista or the guy that owns the gladiator school. And he looks at them as property and the characters come in and they're highly oppressed. All their belongings have been taken. They're standing there in nothing but like a glorified loincloth, naked, dirty. They haven't, they've traveled probably hundreds of miles in the back of a wagon, getting fed gruel to get there. And then when they got there, it was, they just got pitted against random dudes they have to fight to just stay alive just to be like look man the other people that are standing there are like hey buddy this is as good as it gets and that fight because if you don't fight you're going to be in the salt mines a worse than anything up here at least up here you get to see the sun every day and, get fed uh, on get a regular basis out. yeah Food. all kinds of stuff there's you're in assault mines they'll work you till you die so then the person might be saying something like that sounds really cool so they're probably going to ask more questions and and if uh if you're not getting anybody turned on with these kind of conversations maybe they're not the people to play D with or if they say i don't know about gladiator stuff like i understand because that's not typical that's atypical that's just a shorter story I could tell you because if I really tell you about one of my real games, and then the hours and hours of content, and that's that's paraphrasing and skipping around, and yeah, abridging it. I could tell you about the game that we're playing on Sunday night right now. We're in the twenty-first session, and it would take me two hours to give you a general synopsis that I felt was okay. So keep your conversation with people short, make it sound exciting. And if they do want to play, make sure they're willing to read because that's important. If you don't know the rules to D and D it's, it's not awesome. It's the worst actually. If you don't know the rules at all, or if you don't know what your abilities do, if you think all I have to do is walk in and swing this sword, you're dead fucking wrong. <laughs> it is not that easy. I just got to throw this die and that's me swinging my sword. Ah. <laughs> You need to read about these things. What are alignments? What are, uh, you know, what is, uh, what do these stats mean? And what are they used for? What, you know, what are these abilities, these feats, these skills? If you're going to put a bunch of points in something, you need to know why you're putting a bunch of points. So there's some moderate weight reading here. And it's, it's definitely the steepest learning curve out of most of the games that I've ever played. I mean, we could talk about Magic the Gathering being a pretty steep learning curve. True. But I think D&D, because of its role-playing element, is really what this is going to come down to, this whole episode. Uh, that makes it infinitely more difficult. Uh, what Davis, the reason he was asking me, he sounds like he's a very seasoned DM in his own right. And that he's just having a harder time with new players who are interested in playing. Because now we've gotten with Bill here, to the point where he's actually interested in playing, right? And we're telling him to read things. And I'm sure that uh, our listeners, most of them, because this is improving your GMing skills, next level GMing, as I like to refer to it, uh, rather than how to be a DM. 
so that the, the, the what it really comes down to in my opinion is how do we get these players role playing because I've been DMing for 30 years and I still have guys in my group uh, who don't like to do a lot of role playing now we like these guys because can make our group bigger if you like to tell a larger group story with five or six players or some people I've heard insane numbers I don't like going beyond six or seven but I know people who do and they're proud of it we had 25 people at our gaming group and and oh I I can DM that just fine well you're not doing what what I'm doing that's for sure not with 25 people I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong it's just not something I'd be interested in because we like to role play and that's one of the things that it's like when you get to that person to say, yes, I want to read all this crap. I want to understand <laughs> these rules. That's where things get difficult. That's where it, it magic. The gathering is nothing when it comes to overcoming your own uh, social anxiety or overcoming your own uh, issues with communication or your nervousness, public speaking, nervousness, any of those things, or uh, maybe Maybe it's more so about um, self-image. I'm not the kind of person who can do that. If, if your player believes that, then they're never going to come out. So part of it as a, a GM or a dungeon master is to understand those things about your player players, if you can. Not all of us are going to know our players that well. I'm lucky enough to know have known you. You're the new guy still, right? Oh, absolutely. So you being the new guy, how long have you been playing in my group? Did we decide ten years? Uh, no, it's been longer than. Uh, no, it's probably been about ten years. Yeah, ten, maybe eleven years. So, so you know, and I knew you for a number of years before that, right? Right. And we actually worked together playing music, so we got to learn things about each other that most people don't normally learn about their acquaintances. Because I think that. You know, it was when we started playing D&D that we really got to be really good friends, I felt like. Like, we were buddies before that, but man, we really... Yeah, we close. we were able to connect on a different level at that point, because we were sharing something that, like, truly meant something to us. I'm not saying that music doesn't, but there's... Music is one thing, but there's something about D&D where you kind of let your guard down. Um, and that's, that's exactly the point I'm trying to make. you got to uh, get your players to let their guard down. And you're absolutely right by saying that. If you've got social anxiety, which a lot of us do, that's kind of why we're playing D&D. It automatically attracts a lot of people. Back in my day, that's the only people that played in the 80s was people who had that were the nerds, the social anxiety, the, the ones that got picked on, that weren't good at sports. There was a lot of uh, stereotypes that were true. There weren't any girls playing in our groups back then. Like we talked about in the session, the first session I did have one girl play in our group for nine months or so, which was awesome. And uh, she was a great player and a really cool person. She actually passed on more recently. Um, so, you know, moment of silence for that. But, I mean, she was a killer, killer player. But she was a nerd, too. She didn't, she never really quite fit in. And that's what attracted her to D&D, just like myself. You mean I get to be somebody else? Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm not this little five-foot-tall guy. Because I was in the seventh grade. I don't even know if I was five-foot-tall yet. 
I, I get to be a, a an ogre. I get to be an axe wielding fighter. You know, I get to cast spells. Oh shit, yeah, man, I'm in. Now, you have to be that guy, and that's the hard part. So, overcoming some of those anxieties for your players is going to be difficult. You can't make them do it, especially if you're the only person as the DM in the group who knows what it means to role play, which is uh, several of the people that I've actually recently talked to about this are in that same situation where nobody in their group has really role played before. When they say go into a shop, they say we go to the shop and we buy armor. And then a lot of times your DM is going to go, okay, it's 250 gold for a chain mail. Right. And then you just walk out and you're wearing chain mail all of a sudden. Or you can take the time to give that guy some personality because they're not going to fight him. He has something they want. And there's guards outside. And especially if you're buying armor, it's a great time to do it. You don't have good armor. <laughs> and so that means you're newer in the game. you got to kind of get to it as early as you can with the characters or as early as you can in your campaign so that, that it's inherent to the campaign that this is how it's going to go it's difficult to add things in later but if you if they walk in and say well okay you you be the guy eric you be the guy let's role play this i'll be the dm and you be the guy who has can't role play doesn't know what it means to role play you're buying armor right so you tell so me I'm, what, I'm playing me is what you're saying man you're a good role player stop it <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to go into the shop, and I just need to get this new uh, chain mail. Okay, so you walk into the shop, and when you first walk in, the door jingles across some bells, alerting the shopkeeper, who looks like he's half asleep behind his desk and got his feet up on there to your presence. And he gruffly comes awake. He rubs his eyes, and when he stands up, you realize he's nearly six and a half feet tall and every bit of 300 pounds. It's not that he's fat. There's a lot of muscle there. And he looks you right in the eye and says, what do you want with me? Ah, Jesus. Uh, just, I just wanted to buy some chain mail. That's all I wanted to do. Oh, well, look what I just did. You said it as your character, didn't you? Because you felt something when I said that. You, you, I took you to a place. We all know what it's like to see a guy who stands up and he's huge, right? I put that into your head. So that sets a tone. I already set the tone with it being a real shop by having the bells that go off. And you can talk about the things they see when they come into the shop as well. You know, set that tone. I did it really quickly. Um, but it'll be better for your player who you want to get involved if you set that tone. That this is the place we're in. That this matters. This little scene here matters just as much as all the rest of them because it's part of the story. And this is... You don't want to do this every time because you don't want every time somebody upgrades their armor to, to be, be a necessary. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you do, though. I mean, it could be critical role and that's all they do. I'm not saying I dislike that, but I mean, come on. It can be a bit overbearing. You know what I mean? Like it's there's well, one thing to add flavor to the game. There's another one to um, I mean, it kind of feels like you're, it kind of goes back to what we talked about a couple episodes back about railroading your players. Like, it's not you're forcing your players to interact where, like, 
you know, when there might, when you're, you know, 10 sessions in, there's a bigger thing that's going on. It's like the last thing you want to do is worry about some jackhole that's at a shop when you're just trying to buy supplies. Well, if we're talking about getting people role playing, you want to do it in the beginning. The barkeep, the innkeeper, the armor smith, the swordsmith, blacksmith, um, the guard that they first interact with. Give it character. Make them role play. Make them, not make them, but, you know, make sure they know that this is how it's going to go. Because what I find that the common thread with all of those DMs who have said to me, man, I'm just having a hard time getting these new players into role playing. It's because they're just kind of doing it and they haven't set the tone or they have. And then they realize what the characters really like is this hack and slash, throw the dice, beat up the bad guys game. And we, I mean, I played like that when I was first starting, you know, I remember when I was 12 and, and all I wanted to do was have a list of things I've killed. That was the coolest thing to me. I, cause when I started, I was an English class or a, well, it was like an English class. It was actually different than an English class, but that doesn't matter. And the teacher said for me, to, for us to get a grade and play D&D, which was awesome, that we had to keep a record of our characters or a journal from our characters' perspective. Oh, man, that's a great idea. So it was, I was writing. That's all I was doing was I was taking a writing class while playing D&D. And it, it was epic, man. We all got a's on it because everyone was t- like i would do this for free and you're gonna give me a grade but you know all i was interested in is what we killed that day and it w- i was a low intelligence fighter so i accidentally did it right and uh it wasn't until i was 17 years old or 18 years old you know i'd had five six seven good years of experience in me where i wanted more and and so you, you may even want to ask your players, because you even said something like you're forcing them. You right. felt for When I did that shopkeep, you felt a little bit forced, didn't you? Right. You got a little intimidated. Well, that guy is intimidating. You should have gotten intimidated that you just gut reacted. Um, now, if they reply with, oh, I just wanted to buy armor. Make it what they say. That's what you just said to this guy, and he responds in character. That way, you're you're keeping it going. However, if you don't like to force your characters, or if you don't want to put that in front of you, you feel like that might be forceful, um, you can have a talk with your players beforehand, and that that is good. We we harp on that, don't we? Oh, like, definitely. Open communication. So, guys, you know, I've been thinking about the game that we're playing and I'm having a great time and I'd like to really kick it up a notch in role play and go kind of that that next level of the game experience you know I know a lot of people I've gained with in the past really enjoy role playing of this group are you guys interested in that because you never know they they might not even want to do that if they are interested then you can say remember when we said that you were interested in role playing so it's not just you forcing Right. You see, you see. So, if you've got, let's say your party is split, which is like the worst case scenario, right? You got two players who are super interested in taking that role playing up a notch, and two people are like, "I like it the way it is, man." 
all bones, cut and dry. I roll a 20, I kill a monster. You know, that's what I like. Okay, I can keep giving you that. And you just know that it's going to be harder to get that those people that have just told you they don't want to do it. It's going to be harder to get them to do it. However, you can continue all the same practices because you want everybody to have a good time. So, but you can also add new things in. So the two people that said, yeah, I'm interested. One of them is going to maybe be more interested than the other. Um, you may even take that person aside and talk about things that they can do to, um, be role-playing more and then when you're playing you can even single that person out a little bit more because they they took it upon themselves to say yes i do you want to spread the love among all the people who want to but you can say things like how does your character feel because or how does that make um Deridus respond you can say things that way like instead of these things happen what do you do so that was actually going to be my next question because for me anyway one of the most um daunting things about being a new player in a D group especially one that's been around for as long as um the one like playing with you guys was um you get overwhelmed quickly because like I could read the book you know front and backwards and I have and there's still some things I just don't understand there's some things that I'm fuzzy on so what kind of tips or tricks do you use to try to keep it a level playing field, both with a brand new player, or even maybe a player that's maybe played three or four times to somebody who's played for years? Like, how do you make it feel like the group is working together? If that makes sense. Um, backstories. That's the, the, in my game, it's the most important thing for everybody to, to invest in their character. Um, I was talking about uh, players and characters and their relationship to their characters. And one guy said, um, oh, when, when a character gets killed, you know, what do you do? You know, I got to sit there for 45 minutes to an hour and make a new character. And another guy said, shit, man, I can roll up a new character in five minutes. Six, if I'm taking my time. And that, that says a lot about each player's style it may not it, it's not necessarily saying that wow this guy knows his shit so so well that he can make a character in five minutes i can make a dozen characters in five minutes that doesn't give them personality backbone backstories style um, none of that it doesn't spark anything i would venture to guess the guy who took five minutes to make his characters has been doing it that way for a long time and his characters do the same thing. They roll dice. Whereas the guy who said, oh man, 40, I'm going to miss 45 minutes to an hour of gameplay if I hurry. You know, he he's so much more invested in making good decisions at the bare minimum about his character. Because he's relating them to who that person is. So... You know, take those cues from from your players as well. Try to find whatever cues you can, because it could just be that they don't even want to role play it. They would treat Dungeons and Dragons just like a board game. And I'm torn about all these cool new uh, figures and um, and the the landscape that you can buy. 
I yeah, because for the longest time, like we swore off that stuff. We swore off miniatures. Like it was all in the mind. You know what I mean? Theater of the mind. Why? Because you can picture your character, and it's not a miniature. You can picture your character doing the things your character did, and it's not a miniature, and it's not some board that I drew or some pieces that we use over and over and over again to represent a wall. The walls don't always look the same. That's why I'm here. Uh, I like to be a storyteller. I like using that term instead of game master or dungeon master because I want everything to look differently in your minds. So what if it looks different to you than it does to Tommy, than it does to Bert or whoever? So what? As long as you got this image in your mind, we can keep moving forward. Now, if I say, what does your character look like? And you pick up a miniature and you go, just like this. Uh, our level inv of investments are different. We're playing the game differently. That's for sure. It, it's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I support the people who are into D&D &D and just want to play it like a board game. There's tons of games just like that. Uh, Descent is a good one to think that I think of right off the top of my head. Descent is a great game. It's not as good as D&D, &D, but it takes you a millionth of a time to learn than it does D&D. &D. So it's got its place. Now, if you're a DM and your players are playing Descent and you're playing deep, intensive role-playing <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons, right? then that's a little disconnect. you got to find where you can where you can find common ground there. And, you know, I've never gotten certain players to speak up. It kind of goes back to what I said before, but they were a great fifth or sixth player to have because they knew the rules better than players who were sheer role-playing masterminds or what have you. I forgot where we were in that line of questioning, too. No, so... My, <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, it it kind of rolls into what I was thinking next, which would be... I mean, so the role-playing part is, you know, obviously, it's that's key. That's primary. Um, but obviously, the rules and what the stats and stuff mean obviously play a role as well. So for somebody who's new, who may not know that they can do something, or they may not know there might be a check involved, like how do you, for lack of a better term, handhold that player throughout the game? Oh, I'll just say straight up to my players if they're new. Uh, tell me what you want your character to do. And if at any point we get to a place where you need to check for something, I'll let you know. But don't worry about those things. Let me worry about when you need to make a jump roll. Oh, okay, I jumped this ditch. You come and there's this big ditch here, and it's three feet wide, and it's 12 feet deep, and if you fall down into it, it's going to kill you. Three feet wide, though, in my mind, if you have... If you're physical in any way, you can hop that ditch. So the guy doesn't need to make a roll check, you know, a, a jump roll or an athletics roll to jump over it until I tell him to. If he says, okay, I hop over it. Okay, give me a jump check for that. And then he can roll the die. Or otherwise, okay, you jump to the other side. It was only three feet across. I need no check. You can put the dice away. So. Okay. Like, if you don't, I just want them to not think about, don't look at your character and be like, I need to be making an athletics roll or a jump check because I have a lot of points in it. 
that's what I need to be doing. You're thinking about it that way. You're thinking about it backwards. Tell me how you react to these situations. Oh, you know what I think that'll call for? That's going to call for an athletics role. That's going to call for a jump. That's going to call for this or that. So you're saying so, it's more about leaving it up to the DM to decide when the role should be made. At, at, every time. I think I said that in an earlier episode too. Leave it up to your DM to let you know when you need to roll a dice. Because you might get into a social encounter where you're trying to, I think we use the guard as an example, talk the guard into letting you pass. It might just right. come down to you say all the right things because you're clever players that you get past them. That's a cool story too. Now, I know a lot of people hold dice in their hand while they're playing because they're ready, man. They're ready to throw that die. It's their favorite part of the game. And I get it. You know, they probably like to gamble too. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but you don't have to. I'm, I come from a different school of thought. And uh, again, find out where your players are on that spectrum if they even want to learn to role play. So what was your question again? <laughs> You're fine, man. We're, you've answered it. So, um, okay. So I guess to kind of put a cap on things like after that first one or two sessions, like what kind of conversation do you have with this new player? Like they're interested, they're having fun, like they're making mistakes, but it's all, you know, it's all a learning experience. Like you call that person afterwards or you meet up with them afterwards. Like, what does that conversation look like? Did you have a good time? Yes. That's the, First thing I want to know, did you have a good time? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? What could be better? What would you want to see more of? Those types of things, I need to know. And it's awkward to have that conversation with players, especially if they know that you're trying to get them to role play and they're having a hard time with it. They're going to have some levels of insecurities about it. So those conversations can be difficult. That's why it's it, it's kind of nice to, if you know somebody and they've, and you know them well enough, and they've indicated to you that they want to role play more, they want to be better at that, that they just feel a little insecure, a little weird doing it. The best the best thing you can do. Something I neglected to say earlier that I really wanted to say about that was to have an example. You know, when you came into my group. Tommy and I were role-playing hardcore together for a long time. We could just be in the car on our way someplace that's an hour away, and I would say, okay, you find yourself in a swamp, and this is the scene, and this is the, you know, because you and I did this a lot. Yeah, I, we, it was a lot of fun, too. It was a great learning experience. Okay, so you're in a swamp. You All you have on you is a small hand axe, and you're dressed this certain way, these type of clothes. It's kind of rags and more no armor nothing like that uh who are you tell me about your past oh i'm a you know then you say i'm a freaking arrow maker or a, a barrel maker and live in this or you might even say what time period is it first <laughs> right you know, and then we just tell a story together i do this and i do that there's no dice i just tell you you fail or succeed whatever the more interesting thing is. And we just kept moving forward. Now, Tommy and I were doing that just role-playing and telling a story together for years when you came into the game. So you were privileged enough to come in and say, I've got these guys role-playing right in front of me. 
there and they are having a blast. That's the very best thing you can do. There is nothing that'll replace that than two people or three people who are totally in character, who haven't picked up the dice in 10 minutes, and they are using voices to, to talk like their character or or not, but they are talking as their character and having a conversation, and they seem to be angry at each other. That is fun. They're having a great time, and you can see their passion. You know, I think that you came in and you could see how much fun that Tommy and I were having and and wanted to be a part of it, you know? Is that, right. is that kind of a truth there? Oh, absolutely. So the example, if you're the only one and you're the DM, man, that's hard. And I feel for you if that's, if that's the place you've gotten yourself into. Um, or that's just all that's available. Or you're the guy that just loves to get a ton of people involved in D&D. I want to thank people for that. Thanks for getting a ton of people into D&D because, man, they joined my game later. And I'm glad they knew the core rules because once they got in and learned how to role play, we have a great fucking time. Yeah, it just makes everything so much smoother. Absolutely. Because I, it's kind of like teaching to role play is a lot different than teaching to play D&D. Um, I haven't taught very many people how to play D&D, but I've taught a ton of people how to role play. And it's by example. So that's that's the very best. But the conversations in between should be, um, I think if you've got a, a good relationship, like I said, with that person, they can be very candid. Um, I Don't, you know, take the gloves off. Just let me know how you feel as a player, what we can do to have more fun or if you want to immerse yourself into the role playing more. Because if you can get just one player aboard trying really hard to be a better role player or just to role play more, um, then you can talk about it between sessions or after sessions or before session. You can even start to set up situations so that you can have that moment where for a couple of minutes you're just in character role playing. And um, a couple of the things like Nathan taught me was, uh, well, this is also from Vampire, but Nathan's was really cool. When you're talking out of character, then you need to make a symbol that says, I'm not in character right now. So you put, what he would do is take his fist and put it on top of his head. I think they called it putting the apple on the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's not something you're likely to do as a natural gesture. So when I do that, you know for damn sure that's a symbol that says I'm out of character. Um, there was a in vampire. It was put your your right hand on your left shoulder, across your chest, arm across the chest, um, and that indicated that hey, hey, out of character when you've got that that hand up like that on your chest, um, because then all of the rest of the time we indicate that we are in character and the things that come out of my mouth are the things that are coming out of Derridus's mouth and if you can kind of have that kind of rule if you that's the best at which you can arrive at because then everything we're talking about as all of the players are constantly just in character and then they can use the third person when they say their character's actions without going out of character necessarily because when you're playing D&D in a tabletop describing what your character does is still in character right so 
So when I'm first person, when I'm actually talking, then that's my character. Then I go to third person. Uh, Derridus stands up, shoots her bow, whatever. Things that are related to dice rolling. That doesn't warrant it, but when you say, hey man, what was the dice we rolled when? Then put the apple on the head. That way everyone knows you're you have a rules question or out of character man hey that was hilarious by the way i didn't want to say it as my character so i put the apple on the head um that's something you can do that reminds people that that's what we're doing and um it might be goofy but man when when you can heart like bring together a group of people to be really deep into role play it's awesome and nobody cares like when we did vampire we're all throwing paper, rock, scissors out there because we were LARPing to decide a challenge. So you think that putting an apple on the head looks silly. Try throwing paper, rock, scissors when you're in a fight, in an intense fight. It's goofy. <laughs> especially <laughs> yeah. especially when your character's angry and you're trying to portray anger. And then the paper, rock, scissors gets harder and faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... You know, those are the kinds of things that people are worried about, too. Like, you know, shit, man, if you want to learn role-playing, go to a live-action role-play of Vampire and play that. Oh, my God, that'll get you directly into what it's like to be role-playing in character all the time. Uh, I miss that, actually. And, you know, a lot of people thought it was weird when uh, football players started wearing helmets. So, Yeah, it's just part of the game. And then face masks got put on, and they looked really ridiculous. So, you know, for, you know, I think to recap what we've talked about today, you know, have those conversations in the beginning. Um, set the tone as early as you can, and set the tone, allowing. So, I don't know if I said this in this particular episode, but I know I've said it before that um the backstories to each character is important because if you can set the tone with something they're interested in they're more apt to go along with what you because it's they're gonna choose what's related to their character because if it's like hey man do you want to go into the fight some bugbears or do you want to do this thing that was really cool on your backstory and i just wove it into the game uh they're probably gonna pick that one not every time but sure they're probably going to so those are you know those are the first couple of steps and then you know like you said follow up in between sessions see if they, that's what they really want to do make sure that they don't want to just play a dice game play a board game version of dnd and uh, you know kind of take somebody under your wing you could practice role playing um on the side and what i like to do is uh say hey you are your character but this is just before this game ever got going, so you don't have your normal stats. So we're not going to be rolling any dice. And just start to tell a story with that person. Get them more involved with you. That way you can develop a rapport when you're role-playing. And then set the example for the rest of the people playing if you can. Show them how much fun it is. And especially if you have passion for role-playing, get it out there. Let those people see, let the people in your game see you know, how much fun it can be to roleplay. Ask questions like, how would your character respond? What types of things would you say? To, you know, and those are drawing questions a little bit more that are less um, like 
obtuse or intrusive you know how how and you know would, would would you be emoting how that might make you feel as a character what would your body language be like things that make you think more in your character's head uh do more of that type of stuff in what way would you respond what he just said to you um and hopefully then you'll get them to say things as their character because that's what's most important get have the players get into their characters heads rather than in their own heads thinking the whole time they're playing they're thinking i want to roll a 20 come on high numbers come on high numbers oh i just killed an orc i just killed a bugbear um you know make it come alive and you know we're guilty of giving the players what they want it could be that these players are already getting it um I, you know, I don't know. It's it's something that's that's hard for me, and I think it's hard for a lot of DMs. You know, getting new players to role play. I mean, I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning. It's all about having fun, man. It is. See what kind of fun everybody wants to have. Thanks for listening to this episode of the D and D four twenty podcast. For everything D and D four twenty related, check out D and D four twenty dot com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at DND420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at DND420. We will see you next week.